Hello and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Here to talk all things avalanche like we always do. It's another weekly Sunday hit podcast, so I hope you guys have a good start to your week. I'm JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean. We've got a lot of Avs hockey to break down here for you, especially since we were supposed to come back there uh, in midweek, had a little faux pas with our podcast, technical issues, so we didn't drop it. Um, So it's been a week since we last spoke, but, you know, Avs split another series. We saw one split with San Jose, one with Anaheim, but they're not the only ones dropping the ball at this moment, are they? Yeah, that's my bad. So let, let's get into this. Let's get into this because this is one of those learning moments that were just great. Uh, just, just just an all-out great a culmination of everything c- that could go wrong going wrong. So you and I recorded a podcast which didn't end up getting published. It was a short one about a half an hour long on Friday. It was half an hour before the morning skate for the Avalanche to play. Uh, the first of a, or was it the second game of that Shark series, I want to say. I think it was game one of Anaheim. It was between the San Jose and Anaheim. Game one of Anaheim, yeah, because they played Friday, Saturday. feels like forever ago, geez. <laughs> so it was a game one of the Anaheim series, the first comeback, the one where Nachushkin scored in overtime. We'll get into that. So while you and I are recording, uh, we finish recording, and I pull up my email, and I see the Avalanche Communications email come through, which, you know, as usual, they send us a game notes sheet with the roster of players that are, uh, you know, currently active on the roster, playing the same day. Here's where it went wrong. The Avalanche had 18 skaters listed on that sheet. Listed on the 18 skaters were Matt Calvert, Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr, and Nathan McKinnon. Usually when the Avalanche send out these sheets, they have 20, 21 skaters, some, sorry, 21, 22, 23 players with, uh, with the goalies on it. And that's what I'm used to. But this season, the Avalanche don't have cap space. So because they don't have cap space, obviously, guys like Jason Megna, guys like Logan O'Connor, Connor Timmins, every single game after the Avalanche play, they get sent down to the minors in a paper transaction. So it's not even worth sending out a media email saying Logan O'Connor has been sent down because he's not really been sent down. He's been sent to the taxi squad or to the minors just for a paper transaction. The Avalanche, this is their first time in a long time being a cap team, only able to carry 18 skaters. So here is the oopsies that I made. I saw that sheet, and I've been looking at that sheet all of last season and earlier this season. I've never been in a situation like this where for whatever reason, I jumped the gun. I looked at that sheet. I saw Byram. I saw McKinnon. I saw McCarr. I saw Calvert. I did not see Logan O'Connor. I did not see Connor Timmins. And automatically in my head, I thought, they're healthy. They're playing. This means they're playing. They are on the game roster sheet that was sent to us moments before morning skate began. That's oopsies number one, I assumed. Oopsies number two, I took a screenshot of it. I posted it on Twitter. It went viral. A bunch of people retweeted it. A bunch of people liked it. Uh, shout out to the guy. I forget your Twitter name. Poor kid that thought that meant Kel McCarr was going to play. So he started him on fantasy oh, no. and lost and lost. Yeah, and lost the <laughs> roster spot. Oopsies number two, the great Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet always says it's better to be right than it is to be first. And rather than reaching out to the Avalanche, to, our, to the communications and the PR team at the Avalanche, Brendan, right away and asking to confirm, hey, what does this mean? I tweeted it first and then 10 minutes later, I sent that text message to the Avs. Brendan responded saying, this is just the active rosters. Talk to Bednar about uh, updates. After morning skate, 
this doesn't mean anything. This is just the active roster sheet. Which for the first time, I that roster sheet didn't match who was going to play because we've never been in a situation in the year and a half that I've been here where there's four or five injured guys, but they're on the active roster and they're the only ones there because of cap implications. So I waited it out for about five minutes. Morning skates begins. Kale McCarr, take, Kale McCarr does not take the ice. Bowen Byram does in a limited role. Nathan McKinnon does. Matt Calvert does not. We talked to Bednar. No McCarr. No Byram, no Calvert, Nathan McKinnon will play. And the funny thing is Nathan McKinnon did not even end up playing. So the tweet that I sent out saying McKinnon, McCarr, Byram, and then later Calvert are all playing was a complete bullshit tweet. It was false. I jumped the gun. I tried to be first before being right. If this is the only mistake I make of my young journalism career or hopefully one day long journalism career, I'm a lucky man. But shout out to everybody for giving it to me. I deserved it. At the same time, the Avalanche were able to pull it out that night. So they made up for my oopsies. They did not yesterday. So we wanted to get that out of the way. That took a little bit longer than I thought it would to explain. But that's pretty much what happened Friday morning. I felt terrible. Uh, by the time the game time came around, uh, you know, a lot of people just told me to just forget about it. It's not a huge deal. I did. The Avalanche came out, won a game, came back from 2 nothing. Right, exactly. It's an easy mistake to make in this crazy year and the jumbling of the lineups and the management of cap space, right? I mean, I don't blame you at all. And, I, I, you know, I told you I was going to let you take the whole fall, but I'll admit I have some blame too. I was kind of enabling you and playing along with the whole thing, and we neither of us really put two and two together. I think it was more out of excitement rather than out of journalism trying to be first, right? I think it was just, oh my gosh, everybody's coming back. It looks like the lineup's ready to it, go. It felt like what it felt like in Lake Tahoe, where everybody jumped back into the lineup at the same time. In my mind, I thought, yeah, the Avalanche didn't rush any of these guys against a, you know, a bad Arizona and a bad San Jose team. Uh, granted, they lost the second game in San Jose. They're back home, and to start a nine-game homestand, here comes the Cavalry. Yeah, well, let's get into that now that that's out of the way. Let's get into some actual abs hockey and kind of talk about the woes that are going around this team right now. I mean, there's a lot of... They're terrible. Yeah, there are a lot of things ailing, <laughs> ailing this team right now, and, you know, I think there's a lot we can get into. So, for starters, what would you pinpoint as the biggest reason for the mediocrity right now amongst the abs? Uh, inconsistent play from half the team and uh, bad goaltending. And, and the bad goaltending goes to one guy. I hate to kick a guy when he's down because the guy's just trying to make the most of his his opportunity. He's not the one that was told to play. He's just go, you know, he's just going out there and playing and doing what he can do. But what he can do is not enough for the NHL level. Hunter Miska cannot play this many games in the NHL for a team expected to make it to the Cup final. Hmm, I feel like I remember somebody on a podcast saying that recently, maybe even right after his first game. Oh, yeah, shoot, that was me. <laughs> I'm glad you're finally on board, but he just simply doesn't have what it takes to be an NHL goaltender, and you're seeing it. And I think a lot of it is confidence, and a lot of it's right in between the ears because you don't get to where he is by being a, uh, a bad goaltender, right? I just think the NHL was too big of a leap for him, too big of a step, and now the rest of Avs land is kind of seeing what I'm seeing with Hunter Miska and just not really uh, buying into it. So, you know, there has to be a solution here, and I think the only thing is through trade, right? So let's get a little bit into some maybe rumors. Let's throw some shit at the wall. Uh, and trade see deadline. what sticks. Yeah, yeah. Let's tra trade deadline's just over a month away, April 12th, for those who 
aren't keeping tabs on the COVID season and the schedule adjustments, April 12th will be the uh, trade deadline. So yeah, goaltending trade possibilities. Let's get right into it. What's your uh, favorite right now? What are are some goalies that might be available around the league that Joe Sackett could maybe bring in and salvage this season? So there's a couple guys that stick out to me. Uh, One specifically, and I'm going to go back to the Detroit well, because I was harping on that Jimmy Howard dream for a while, which was kind of, it was kind of something I mentioned once and then I just ran with it more as a joke. But Jonathan Bernier, we know him. We've seen him. Uh, he played 37 games for the Avalanche in 2018. He played most of that series against the uh, Nashville Predators. He's on the last year of a two-year deal with the Red Wings where he's played pretty damn well in Detroit on a team that, let's face it, sucks. Just terrible. And he's been the only bright spot on that team for a couple years, you know, aside from a couple other players. Jonathan Bernier should be available for not much of you know, you don't have to give up much to get him. He's got one year left at $3 million. You have to make the cap work, which means you'll likely have to have the Red Wings eat up some salary, probably take back Greg Patteron just to get that $1 million off your books or one point, whatever it is now with him sitting in the minors. Uh, but it's possible. You can give the Red Wings a middle draft pick, maybe a middle prospect, and bring in a goalie that you know that's familiar with Jared Bednar, and Bednar's familiar with him. He's familiar with the core of the team. That, to me, is the best option. Because right now what you have in Pavel Francouz is somebody who's on the IR who hasn't played a game since game four of that series against Dallas way back in September. We're in March now. Trade deadline's a month away, and I don't think Francouz is coming back anytime soon. Uh, And the reality is, given that the fact that the Avalanche have seven games every other night for this homestand, and then they go on the road for two in a row right after that, over these next nine games, you need to have a goalie helping out Grubauer because you cannot keep playing Miska. It's just the reality. He let in two goals late against Arizona. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going for Hunter Miska. Jared Bednar addressed that yesterday in his post-game press conference. That late in the game, he just doesn't have the mental fortitude, I want to say, to to close out these games. And it's happened twice now. The Avalanche's lack of goaltending depth is showing. So Jonathan Bernier would be my number one option. Number two option, not a lot of people like this guy. He's kind of a wacko in many ways, but he's also a capable goalie. You know, we're not going to that Craig Anderson and Jimmy Howard level of goalies right now. We're going to goalies that are a a level above that, which is Jonathan Bernier and going to Calgary, big Dave save. Wow. Big save Dave. There's my second oopsies of the week. Big save Dave. Dave Riddick is on the last year of a contract. He'll be a UFA in the summer. He makes 2.75 million. Uh, coming from Canada, obviously, uh, there isn't going to be much quarantine rules, but this is a trade that if the Avalanche were to make this trade, Calgary would be uh, basically throwing in the towel on the season and saying we're going to be uh, tanking the year and just collecting draft picks and, and picks because bringing in Dave Riddick, if the Avalanche send anybody back to Calgary, they're going to have to <laughs> quarantine for 14 days, which is not an option for a team fighting for their playoff lives. So in that order, those are the two names that stick out to me. I know Joe Sackick's got to be working on something right now. On Cap Friendly the other day, Eric Johnson was put on LTIR during that game Saturday. That, to me, says the Avalanche are clearing up cap space. What for? Who knows? Maybe Kroenke just needs to save some money. Maybe they need to have some cap space for the deadline. To me, it says they need a goalie, and they're going to bring one in in the coming days. I, I like both of those options. However, I feel like they're a little bit, you know, both of those have been starters, and are very capable of being starters. And I think you want to be very careful to not create a goalie controversy here. Not because, you know, you don't want to upset Grubauer, but rather you don't want to put a pickle in Jared Bednar's mind come playoff time and suddenly be like, shoot, who do I play here, right? I I think you want to go a little bit lighter, a little bit, you know, uh, uh, just not as well known, not as, 
I guess, good, um, not so much a starter. And I like the idea of Anton Forsberg. He's right now sitting in Carolina as, I think, the third goalie. Was recently picked up uh, out of Edmonton, so you know he's been moving around the league. Can't really find a find a home, but I think he'd be a good fit to kind of just, uh, I guess, damn the wall or damn. I, I, that that's not the right phrase, to just uh, you know put a bandaid over things right now, right, and not exactly come in and be that second guy because if Francis does come back, I still want him to be the second guy in line. I know it has been a while since he's played games, but eventually once he does get that fitness and you do play the third goalie a little bit more and get Francis ready and take your sweet time, I want Francis to be that second guy. So I'd hate to have somebody just quickly skip him um, and maybe even you know create a controversy with Grubauer as well. Well, well, here's the thing. Whoever the Avalanche bring in, whether it's a level of, of a Bernier and Riddick ilk or whether it's that Anton Forsberg similar to the Michael Hutchinson level last mm-hmm. year, whichever one they decide to go is going to tell us all we need to know about Pavel Francouz's health. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because because here's the reality. Mm-hmm. Last year when the Avalanche acquired Michael Hutchinson, it was because they had Grubauer and Francouz, two very capable and willing goaltenders that could start playoff games. But they went to pick up a third option because what if one of these two guys get hurt? We need that third option. So if Grubauer and Francouz were both healthy right now and that's the way we were approaching this, that would be the good pick for me. But if you're looking at an option where Philip Grubauer doesn't have much help, yeah, you still want him to be the starter and you want to give him a capable backup. And then April 13th, the day after the trade deadline comes around, Philip Grubauer gets hurt. He's out for three weeks. Now Anton Forsberg's your starter and Hunter Miska's your backup. That's the difference. So if it's it's the same idea with with the you know with the center thing. When uh, Nathan McKinnon gets hurt, uh, you want to have somebody like Nazem Kadri on your team because in those previous years you had to go to Alex Kerfoot, you had to go to Carl Soderberg, you had to go to guys that just couldn't be top line centers. Nazem Kadri is kind of like that Bernier. He's a player that has been a number one center, could be a number one center, but is better fit as a number two center. But when called upon, can be that number one guy. So if the Avalanche go out and bring in somebody of the Bernier or of the Riddick ilk, that's going to tell you all you need to know about Pavel Francouz. That means they have no confidence that this guy is going to be back this year. And if he is, he's not going to be effective. Granted, I will say he's a goalie. You're a goalie. You have one job. It's to stop the damn puck. You don't play for six months, nine months, whatever it is, and come back. It's not as crazy, in my opinion. And that's coming from someone that's never strapped pads on in his life. I've barely put on skates to skate in my life. So... uh that's going to tell us all you need to know about him. But if Pavel Francouz is going to be out at least another six weeks, which is going to bring you past the trade deadline, you cannot risk it and bring in an Anton Forsberg. Because if you bring in an Anton Forsberg and Grubauer gets hurt, not even after the deadline, in a week or two from now, and then Joe Sackett goes back into the trade market, teams are going to look at him. They're going to smile. They're going to say, you're the guy that ripped off Ottawa and then ripped off Chicago and ripped off everybody. You score 600 goals in this league. We love you, but we're going to hose you for a trade because Anton Forsberg's your starter. Hunter Miska's your backup. And uh, you're going to need something better than that. I like the idea behind that, the the gauge essentially you, you'll be able to gauge how Francis's recovery is coming by whoever they bring in I, I think that's a good thing to keep an eye on um, but you know fool me twice shame on me right I think the number one thing you got to look into with whatever goal you bring in doesn't matter what level he plays at is his injury history in my opinion and I think you look back at Bernier and I still feel a bit bitter and a bit sour about how he 
you know, we were, the the Avs faithful was counting on him once Varley went down in that Nashville series, and he went down as well, right? And that's what left us with Andrew Hammond in net, and you know, he played his heart out, but just couldn't get it done. So, I think injury well, for, history for is someone big for someone like Bernier that season, you you got to remember Varley went down in March. Him and Eric Johnson, it was the same day they went down. I can't believe that was three years ago. It feels like yesterday. They went down the same day in March. So Bernier played a string of games to close out the season going into that series. Uh, the reason why I won't I won't fault him for that is because number one, a lot of goalies have injury history now. <laughs> there's just there. I mean, this is why they there's a split one A one B. The the idea of a goalie playing 60, 70 games and not getting hurt like Brodeur, Kiprasov, Nabokov did for so many years. You just don't see that anymore. I mean, look at the Avalanche. Philip Grubauer playing his ass off. He looks freaking good this year. He has an injury history. So it's just it's just the way it is nowadays. It's just the way the cookie crumbles. You don't want to bring in somebody who's got a crazy injury history. But Jonathan Bernier has been healthy in Detroit for the last year and a half. Uh, Dave Riddick has been you know injured here and there, but nothing long term. Hell, look at Varley. Since he left the Avalanche, he's been healthy. Not that I'm saying the Avalanche is a problem. Maybe they are for the forwards and the defense, mm-hmm. but you just there. There's no there. You can't look at an injury history and say that that's the reason why I'm not going to bring in someone because every goalie gets hurt today. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm with you. Let's just uh, I guess anticipate. Let's let's agree. Let's agree on one thing. The Avalanche need goaltending help. Oh yeah. They that's they badly need yeah. That's without a doubt. Like they need goaltending help because right now this is a team that when their forward depth gets tested, they can pass the test here and there. I mean, JT Comfort missed the game yesterday, so Jason Megna had to center the third line. The issue wasn't Jason Megna centering the third line. The issue was JT Comfort hasn't even been good in that spot this year. So yes, there's some inconsistencies going on, but when their forward depth is tested, they come through. When their defensive depth this season is tested, they find a way to come through. They've got some good guys. Dan Renouf's been a, been a nice little fireball the last couple of games. He's not going to play a lot, but he's been a nice fireball. Dennis Gilbert stepped in. Obviously, he got pummeled in that fight and got injured. But these guys are stepping in and doing what they need to do. Jacob McDonald's been a nice surprise. Connor Timmins in and out of the lineup. But the goaltending depth, when that gets tested, uh, they, they don't have what they had last year in Hutchinson and even Anton Bebo, who was a, who was a pretty decent goalie. They, they went into the season for whatever reason, I don't know why, with Hunter Miska and Adam Werner. Joe Sackick talked about Adam Werner having a big role, and he's been nowhere to be seen in the NHL this year. I mean, you and I talk, called it back in the offseason. I mean, yeah. I remember you, both of us, we kind of had the pipe dream of bringing Marc-Andre Fleury in a trade, hoping he would kind of get buried in the Vegas lineup. Well, that didn't happen. There's no chance in hell Marc-Andre Fleury finds his way over here, but it's got to be somebody, and, and it's got to be somebody soon because yeah. you're, you're dropping points that, that are very valuable. So, you know, I think you kind of segued us nice into what I get wanted to get into next because goaltending is an issue, but it's it's not all on the goaltending right now, right? I mean, you got the injuries like you brought up. There's so many so many things going on. So you and I have yet to discuss the McKinnon injury because we tried to on the on the failed podcast the other day. So Let's get into that a little bit. First of all, let's let's get an update. When uh, when do we expect Nathan McKinnon? He's obviously skating. He's super close. Just about when can he make that leap into the lineup? And then, you know, we've seen two games without him. One went okay. One went pretty terrible. Who is this team without Nathan McKinnon? Is it is there even hope? I mean, how how do I say this nicely? Nathan McKinnon hasn't even been the Nathan McKinnon that we're used to this season. 
He's still been the puck possession freak that we're used to. He's still been the guy that dominates games, but he's not putting up the points. He's he's snake bin. He's hitting a lot of posts, a lot of crossbars. He's getting, you know, goalies are making career saves against him this year for whatever reason. Uh, but no, I mean, if when he's in the lineup, you're a better team, no doubt about it. But the rest of the team, for whatever reason, it just seems like, you know, we saw Nazem Kadri go off against Arizona and he had a pretty good game. He had a hell of a game against Anaheim. I, I can't stress enough how crazy it was to see Nazem Kadri. I know the goal didn't count, but you know what I'm talking about. Batting the puck out of the air past John Gibson right there in the little corner of the post. Right when he did it, I looked at the guy sitting next to me to the right and to the left, and I'm like, that went in the fucking net. That was so cool. And obviously, it was just a little bit high. And even Kadri was like, like he put his hands up. He's like, holy crap, did I just do that? Like He he didn't couldn't believe what he did. Um so he's been having a couple of good games here and there. Brandon Saad's been showing up lately. Giannis Donskoy has been showing up lately. Landis Gog and Rantanen finally have taken off after they went through a little bit of a slump. But you have Andre Burakovsky now who's got two goals since the first two games Absolutely. of the season. So he's played almost 20 games now and he's only got two goals in those in those last 18 games. And then you go to the third line. Nichushkin, hell of a series against Anaheim. Props to that guy, even though he keeps escaping the media and he was called out for that. I'll, but, go, I'll, go, as, I'll go as far as a couple games before Anaheim. I was really yeah. starting to see some spurts from Nichushkin, and you know, I was going to save this for later in the podcast, but let's take a second. to. He's been playing. He's been the only Avs player, I think, that has elevated his game consistently. I mean, yeah. yes, Kadri's brought some moments. Saad's brought some moments. But that's my issue with this team right now. It really feels like they're struggling to bring a full 60, not even bring a full 60. It, it seems like they're making a habit of playing only 20 minutes a night, and it it's usually right about the end of the second to the beginning of the third. Those the only time they decide to wake up, especially in those two games against Anaheim. It's not even the fact that they're only showing up for portions of the game, which they are against Anaheim. We saw some duds in the first periods against other teams too. It's the fact that the, when players are showing up for games, they're the only ones showing up. Val Nichushkin... Before overtime, before he even had a chance to to you know rack up some points against the Ducks when they were down to nothing, I thought this guy was playing good. I'm thinking Valachushkin is playing good. You got to get this guy back in the top six. Suddenly, fast forward, he's got some points on the board. He starts overtime, or sorry, he doesn't start overtime. That was that was the game Saturday, which uh, he started with Ranton, and Ranton obviously took that tripping penalty, but. He comes in in overtime, has the confidence standing at the blue line to just wiggle, weasel around, pick up a, take a pass from his teammate right behind, beyond the circle, close to the blue line, and then just weasel around the defenseman and, and pass John Gibson. Hell of a play. He did that thing that I, I've mentioned on this podcast many times over the past year and a half. He did that thing that reminds me of Evgeny Malkin, where he's just galloping into the zone, this big, massive Russian dude with a big frame playing with confidence, which is something that... If, if there's anybody that needs confidence in its game, it's Val Nichushkin because when he starts to get down on himself, he goes down into the gutters. Uh, that's just the way he is, and it sucks because he's a good player when he's playing well. So we definitely have to shout him out, and I think you look at this team and when they're healthy, Jared Bednar has to find a way to keep him in the top six. And I know that means either Sada Burakovsky are on the third line, but so be it. You can have three really good lines. Nichushkin needs to be playing with, in my opinion, Kadri and Saad. And Nichushkin was this far away from having a hat trick in game one. It, he hit a post earlier before he actually got that goal. Yeah. So 
you know, I, I don't know if you remember, it was about a month ago, but I was really laying into Nichushkin, yep. and I said, let's remember the point where he finally has three goals, which at the time, Devon Taves had three goals. Well, here's that moment, and I want to completely retract all the hate I took, yeah. I gave him. I mean, because just what yeah, I've seen gave, from him in the last two weeks. I, I mean, at the time, I think it was justified. You, you gave him a little bit of a bump. I mean, it was justified. And it takes one game and one weekend and a few games to knock out of something like that. And that's what he's at. And this is the player. This is the type of player that once he builds that confidence, he's going to ride it like he did a season ago. Yeah, absolutely. So love what we're seeing from Nichushkin. Um and, you know, back to the kind of the way the Avs have been playing in and out of the lineup, I got to take a line from my friend Cody. He said this uh, just this morning, and I, I think it was spot on. The Avs just aren't playing like they have anything to prove. They're, I, I don't want to say that the Stanley Cup favorite coming into the offseason got to their heads, but, you know, because especially – it probably it did a probably little bit. Did. It probably did a little bit. As much as Nathan McKinnon wanted to say we're still trying to focus on the task at hand, I mean, obviously you can't you can't ignore the injuries. They're there, but you're just not seeing the energy. You're not seeing the heart, and you know, I I, I don't really know what it is. Maybe it's just the simple fact that they need fans in the building. It could be that, and that's the thing. So somebody asked me the other day if if this means that Jared Bednar's on the hot seat, and no, absolutely not. And the reason why I say that is because of a few reasons. So if you're Jared, if, if number one, if you've been listening to Jared Bender's press conferences lately, this dude doesn't go through a press conference without mentioning, I hope we have fans in here soon. Ever since they came back from Arizona, he's been kind of hinting to the county, to the team, to the arena staff, to, to, to everybody involved that we need to get this going. He mentions it every single time. I hope we have fans. I hope we have fans during this homestand. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And I think he's doing that because he knows. He's looking at his team and he's seeing a team that, you know, the way they responded in Arizona and the way they were talking about what what they saw in Arizona with the Avalanche fans and probably something that he saw on the bench that we have no sight of is the way his team was responding to the crowd. And he said, this is what they're missing. Not because he's scared of, for his job. No, absolutely not. Jared Bender right now, to me, I mean, I know the players just aren't you know, playing well. And sometimes you want to put, pin that on the coach. But that, that to me seems like uh, you know, John Cooper for all those years. John Cooper has been a coach for eight years and finally won his first Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay didn't give up on him. They didn't give up on him in 2017 when they missed the playoffs. They didn't give up on him in 2019 when they got embarrassed by Columbus in the first round. You don't give up on someone like that. And that's what Jared Bednar looks like to me. He's a lifer. And by lifer, I mean 10 plus year coach with one team, which he's already on year five. So he's halfway there. So he's looking at his team and he's seeing they're missing something. And I think it's the fans. And I think he thinks that too. Because you go through the lineup, Devon Taves has been a hell of a surprise. Four goals and seven assists in 19 games. By the way, Val Nichushkin's up to four goals now. Four goals and three assists in 22 games. He's starting to pick it up. Uh, Sam Girard's been amazing. Four goals, 13 assists, 17 points in 20 games. Shout out to, I forget who it was, maybe it was Rudolph, who posted on Twitter that video of Girard and Duchesne's stats and comparing them. That was hilarious because... Uh, Right after he posted that, about 10 minutes later, the Preds announced that Duchesne was injured and out for a month. I'm like, yikes. But then you start to go down the lineup. This is where it gets concerning. So Landeskog, 15 points in 20 games. That's cool. That's fine. Saad, 8 goals, 14 points in 21 games. That's fine. Kadri, 17 and 22. Uh, you want to see more out of McKinnon. 22 and 19 is just not him. Rantanen at 24 and 22 is, is fine. Makar is almost a point per game. But here is where it starts to become an issue. JT Comfer has two goals and two assists in 21 games. Tyson Jost has one goal and two assists in 20 games. 
Ryan Graves, I know he's a defenseman, but still doesn't have a goal, three assists in 21 games. Pierre-Edouard Belmar, one goal, zero assists, and it was an empty netter in 19 games. Matt Calvert's obviously only played nine games, one assist. Uh, Jason Megna hasn't done anything. Connor Timmons in 17 games hasn't even had a point on the board. Jacob McDonald's got the one goal in 10 games. Uh, shout out to Logan O'Connor, three goals in 11 games. That's somebody who should be playing more hockey. But it's just there's a lot of guys that are not doing what they were doing last year. And if you look at the Avalanche's bottom six this year compared to last year, what I'm seeing from this team is uh, the joke we've been making about the Oilers for all these years where it's, you know, they're so top-heavy and a bunch of other guys, Alex Chason and Jujar, all these random guys they have in the lineup that just don't bring it. That's what you're seeing out of the Avalanche right now. And one of those is your $3.75 million third-line center, and that's a lot of money for somebody to have two goals and two assists in 21 games. And so what's the solution there? I mean, you brought up the point that Logan O'Connor's been playing some really good hockey. You got some guys still in the AHL that can maybe come in and make an impact. We still haven't seen Shane Bowers we're still hoping Martin Kaut gets healthy here soon, but you have options that you can kind of plug in. And, you know, Jared Bednar is definitely the type of coach that holds players accountable. Why not yeah. bench a few, give some of these taxi squads, taxi squad players some more games because I think they're the ones that are bringing it. You look at that last Anaheim game, and it was almost all AHL players scoring goals. Well, I mean, the way, the way that I see it right now, Jared Bednar doesn't need to bench anybody because injuries are doing it for him. That's the biggest problem right now with the Avalanche is they're not healthy. Matt Calvert, yeah, one assist in nine games, but he was playing pretty damn good. You could see it starting to pick up. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna excuse him for having one assist in nine games. I know he's had some concussion issues, but that's not the Calvert we saw last year or even the year before when he wasn't scoring at a 40 point pace. So that's a problem already. Tyson Jost, God bless this dude for being such a hard worker, but the guy just cannot finish. It comes a point in a guy's career where you say He's not snake bitten. He just can't finish. And if you remember yesterday, when the Avalanche were up 4-2, to two, Tyson Jost had a golden opportunity and couldn't finish. And then the Anaheim Ducks make it 4-3. to three. They get a power play. Tyson Jost busts his ass off on the penalty kill to get another golden opportunity and gets robbed for the second time in like two minutes by the corpse of Ryan Miller. Like it was twice that like the guy just can't finish and it sucks because he tries so damn hard and you know he wants to be a part of this team for the long haul. So hold on real quick. It's funny you say the corpse of Ryan Miller because I was just thinking about that uh, la last night when they were playing against Ryan Miller and he was just stealing the show and even had the two pad stack. I was like, oh my gosh, oh, it's that was Ryan such Miller. A nice save. And it brought me back to I think it might have even been the first game you and I covered together was last Halloween or right before Halloween and that's that was what I tweeted. Uh yeah. I I'm, it's not it's very fitting that a couple days before Halloween the Avs are getting robbed by the corpse of Ryan Miller I and that got that. zero likes. I think it got like maybe one or two. I was so disappointed by the lack of likes on that one and I was and even you didn't give me a like. I was like, "Man, we, this is our first game we're covering together and he's not even going to like my joke here. Come on." And, and now some, you're going to steal it and use it on the podcast. I see I'm, I see hey, how it goes. I, 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 I'll <laughs> I'll cite my sources when I need to, but uh I didn't know you were going to catch that, my bad. <laughs> But no, that that's it's it's absolutely true. It was the corpse of Ryan Miller a year and a half ago, and now I mean it's 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 an even it's an even more decayed corpse, and he's still stoning the Avalanche. He did it in his Buffalo days. He's done it for forever. Even in Vancouver, he was doing it. By the way, shout out to Miller, dude. He he just tied Dominic Hasek in career wins. Probably played more games than Hasek, but he's yeah, just I mean, been around. He's been around for his, so long. I thought his career was over after Vancouver for sure. 
I mean, I, I forgot how long he was in Vancouver for. It's crazy how long he was there. And the fact is, it's been 11 years since he had that 2010 Olympic showing. He played on a team that had guys like Jamie Langenbrunner on his roster. <laughs> I, I don't even know where Langenbrunner is in the world now. Chris Jury was on that team, yet Ryan Miller is still chilling in the NHL, winning games, on, granted, on a last-place team in the West. But, hey, just hey, beat the Avalanche. He lives in Orange County. Who cares? Yeah, seriously. That's that's. I remember in the summer when he was a free agent, and by summer I mean off season. I was talking about Ryan Miller being an option, and and uh, someone looked at me and said, "There's no way he's coming here. He's not leaving. He's not leaving Anaheim. He's not leaving Orange County." There comes a time in your career where it's not even about the cup; it's just about doing what you love and and doing it while living in California. Yeah. See Kevin <laughs> Shattenkirk, right? <laughs> yeah. True. See Joe Thornton until he pulled a. Total curveball on us and went and signed in Toronto. Shout out to him. He's having a blast of a season there, uh, and Toronto looks good. But, you know, going back to the avalanche issues is, yeah, you need to play some guys from from the AHL. I'd love to see Shane Bowers. I hope he gets an opportunity soon. There was an article written about him a few days ago about how he still is looking to reach that goal and achieve that dream of playing in the NHL. He's hungry for it. But the avalanche do have good depth. Their forward depth is solid because you have a Val Nichushkin and a Giannis Donskoy on your third line. And in my opinion, Nichushkin should be in your top six. Your third line should be comfort between Burakovsky and Donskoy. And that's a good goal scoring third line because I'd love to see the Avalanche. And maybe maybe that would be considered your second line in air quotations because Kadri, Saad, and Nichushkin that seems like a hardworking, very skilled. You know how you know how people say Sidney Crosby is like the most skilled third liner in the history of the NHL because he plays such a hardworking game and scores those goals in tight and all that. That's what Saad Nachushkin and Kadri would provide for you. That's the kind of line that when you put them out, they'll provide the spark and they'll get you back into the game. Well, and I'm the- not. Yo. I'm not. I'm not by any means going to say Burakovsky doesn't deserve to be in the top six. But I mean, granted, he's he's struggling right now, but. When you have that much depth, somebody's going to be hurt at some point. But you have that, and then you have the Logan O'Connor situation as a player that should be playing when the team is fully healthy. And do you sit Belmar? Do you sit Jost? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, by the end of that last game against Anaheim, you saw Nachuskin skating with Rantanen and Landeskog. So we'll, we'll see where he actually ends up slotting here in this next game. But... You hate to hear the excuses about the fans, but, you know, it's got to be something. I mean, it's no secret. I When I went and watched that one game that I got to cover, that's the first thing I noticed. It was just a lack of intensity, a lack of energy, and if it's got to be from the fans, then that's what it is. But, you know, you hate to hear Jared Bednar kind of making excuses, but at the same time, you kind of buy into him. So something's got to change. Something's got to get it, better for this team because yeah. it's not working. It just it doesn't it doesn't seem like an excuse to me. It just seems like Jared Bednar wants to light a fire under his team and and I hate to say it for somebody who's making multi-million dollars to coach in the NHL, but I feel like he's running out of things to say or things to do and he knows what the issue is but he can't solve it. And that issue is his team needs fans. And I feel like that's what it is. And I and I fully believe. Number one, I think in the next week or so we're going to hear some kind of an update about this. Because the Pepsi or Ball Arena is working hard to make this a reality. They've got some more measures in place. They have KN95 masks that they hand to us when we walk into the arena now. So we don't even get to wear our own masks in the arena anymore. Well, and I have some inside sources that, you know, I don't want to expose anybody, get anybody in trouble. But 
let's just say that the, the pieces are being put in place yep. to prepare yep. for having Avs fans or and Nuggets fans for that matter. Yeah, and uh, that was going to be the next thing that I said is is exactly that. I spoke with somebody uh, that works within Ball Arena yesterday, and again, not going to mention who, but somebody who has a high position in what they're trying to accomplish uh, within the Ball Arena uh, uh, arena staff, and, and that was the conversation we had is this is literally day by day they're working on this. And they started working on this about a week and a half ago because after the Coyotes game they saw what the fans were and then many other teams missouri announced that blues can have fans pennsylvania announced even new york's got fans so all of these cities and all these teams started to add fans into the crowd and the avalanche are going into a month with a nine game homestand and 13 out of 17 games at home so they started working hard and i'm i'm fully convinced that denver as a whole denver county arapahoe county douglas county the whole general area is going to open in the next 45 days that's just me throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. Kind of like what we've seen with uh, Texas and with other states in the last few days. I think they're going to open up in the next 45 days. But before then, the Avalanche want to get fans in Ball Arena and they're working hard to make it happen. And I truly think that first game when there is fans, you are going to see a jolt out of this team that we haven't seen in this season yet. They embraced the bubble. They made it work there, but they need their fans at Ball Arena. Yeah, I'm with that. I just also think there got there's got to be other ways for you to get hype before a game, right? To get that fire in your belly. And uh, we heard a, a, on Spitting Chicklets from Nathan McKinnon that Nikita Zadorov used to be the locker room DJ. I was just gonna say who's that. taking Holy it crap. over. You know, you got. <laughs> I was get, just gonna you say get the heart pumping with some good tunes. Maybe that's the issue too. So who knows? But you know, it, it something's got to happen, and they got to they got to find that energy and that spark. But yeah, let's look ahead at what's next because you got two games against the Arizona Coyotes, who we know have a tough time against the Avalanche, but the Avalanche are having a tough time with themselves right now. And you know, all streaks come to an end. The Avs have a pretty good stretch here against Arizona so far, so I'm a little bit he- hesitant to be, you know, fully on board of another two wins here. I hope it's not a split. They got to have the two wins though. You got to win the next five. I'm 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 gonna take it past the next. Yeah, two. I mean in the in the podcast that we didn't get to publish, you did say you want to see seven out of these next nine wins, right? Yes, and uh, they're one and one so far. They got to win the next five. You got Arizona, Arizona, L.A., L.A., Anaheim. None of them are back to backs. They're all at home. You play the eighth, the tenth, the twelfth, fourteenth, and sixteenth. You got to win all of these games because after that, you have two against Minnesota. Then you go back on the road against Arizona and a back-to-back, which you could win or winnable, but then you got two against the Golden Knights. These next five games, the Avs need to win, and especially if they do it with a lot of depth players playing and slowly starting to get healthy, that'll set you up for a hell of a series against Minnesota, who's a good team this year, who has Kirill Kaprizov really, you know, really taking the NHL by storm, probably going to win the Calder Trophy this year. Capo Kakin in a net who looks like a stud. And and for the first time since I was, you know, seven, the Minnesota Wild are actually fun to watch. Since the days of Manny Fernandez and West Walls, and even then they weren't really that fun. But they're actually fun to watch and they're a good team. So the Avalanche need to be aware of this team. They need to be waking up for games against Minnesota. That's the fourth team with St. Louis and Vegas. We said, who's going to step up? That's the one that stepped up. But your next five games are not against Vegas or St. Louis or Minnesota. 
and they're all at home and they're not back to back. Yeah, they really got to stop feeling sorry for you themselves. Win. Right? You got to I mean, win. Though. Injuries are, are affecting every team right now, and that's the beautiful thing about hockey. We see it all the time. We see it in international play. We see it in early rounds of the playoffs. The harder working team can often beat a more skilled team. So when you are the more skilled team, why not just be the harder working team? And, you know, take it to these teams that you should be beating, like San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona, and upcoming L.A. So they just got to figure out a way to, to, to work a little bit harder. And I think Jared Bednar is realizing it. That, and, you know, there are certain guys that are doing the, the hard work and certain guys that, you know, are, are being passengers here and there. And that's the thing about hockey. You can't give 100% effort 95% of the time because then that's when the mistakes happen and, and they get exposed. Yep. And, uh if the injuries thing is an issue for you, it's an, it's an issue for a lot of teams. And I know, look, McCarr, Byram, and McKinnon are no slouches. Those are three of your biggest names. And let's let's put Byram aside for now. McKinnon and McCarr are your two biggest names on this team. Missing them hurts. Missing them hurts a lot. But you still have players capable enough to beat San Jose and capable enough to beat uh, uh, the Anaheim Ducks. And capable enough to beat the next, you know, to win the next five games. Look at Toronto. Toronto is still without Wayne Simmons, who's got a scored a ton of goals with them this year. They're still without Jack Campbell. He came in, played one game, shut out the Oilers, and then got injured again. Uh, they missed Joe Thornton for a bunch of games. They didn't have Austin Matthews for a few games. They didn't have Hyman for a few games. Those are a lot of big names on this roster. They didn't have Jake Muzzin for a few games. And this kept happening one after the other. Their injury report kept growing. And they go into they, they go into a three-game series against the Oilers. First game, Jack Campbell starts, shuts them out, gets hurt. Freddie Anderson's still hurt. So Michael Hutchinson, our old friend, starts the second game, shuts out McDavid and Dreisaitl. Then Freddie Anderson comes back, starts the third game, allows one goal. That's a team that's embracing their depth. That's a team that's taken advantage of the opportunity that even though we're injured, we're playing a bunch of bad teams. We could win. And, and Edmonton's a better team than any of these guys that the Avalanche have to face in the next five games and have faced for the last four. So it's not much of an excuse at this point. I mean, if you think about it, the Avalanche just played their last six games against Arizona, San Jose, and Anaheim, and their next five are against Arizona, Anaheim, and LA. That's 11 straight games without seeing the three teams in this division that are going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I... They've already lost They've already lost two of those. They're 4-1-1 they're one one in their last six, and it's unacceptable. That's that's the standard of where this team needs to be. They're 4-1-1 one one in their last six. And it's unacceptable. These next five, you need to win. And it's absolutely a gift from this COVID season that they're yeah. getting to play these teams so many times and just not taking advantage of, of the situation and not make you know not coming out with the results is just tough to see. And you know, uh, I don't know. I like I said last before, week they can't go through the month five hundred. They just can't. No, absolutely not. And last week we published an episode called "Just Get to the Dance." And we kept talking about that, getting to the dance, getting to the dance. That's the most important thing. And it still is, yes. But when you're playing 11 straight games against these guys, that means that closer to the end of the season, you're seeing a lot of Vegas and a lot of St. Louis, which we haven't seen since opening night, and a lot of Minnesota. The Avalanche have had one series against all three of those teams. Granted, they played four games against Mini in that series, one of them that was rescheduled. They've split every single one. They went two and two against Mini. They went one and one against St. Louis. They went one and one against Vegas. And then the rest of the season, they're not that much higher above 500 than they should be. 
So if you're playing a lot of games against the California teams in Arizona now, that just means later in the season, you're seeing more of those top three teams. So by just getting to the dance, you might want to start to rack up some points now, not necessarily just to get the points, which, you know, are important, but to sort of start to feel yourself, get some confidence, get some health back into the lineup, pick up another goalie, have Grubauer keep buzzing the way he's been going so that when you go into these series against Vegas, St. Louis, and Minnesota, it's a real juggernaut fight. Not Vegas, who's, you know, shutting out teams left and right behind Marc-Andre Fleury against a team that should be good and is kind of, you know, stumbling. And maybe that's the good that can come out of all this is once they do hit that end stretch of the season and they're playing those tough teams and they're fighting for their playoff lives, you know, then they're going to have to wake up and they're inevitably going to be playing a better style of hockey and just a harder effort and that can hopefully feed right into the playoffs. You see it every year, right? One team who's just squeaked in the playoffs but have been playing playoff games since the for the whole last month of the season comes in and beats a team who kind of coasted their way into the playoffs so maybe it's a good thing at the end but they just got to figure it out and they got to tweak some things here and there to really be an effective team and once playoff come playoffs do come you got to have some effectiveness and not be this team i'm still feeling a little confident over these next five games and the reason why that is is because Val Nichushkin has suddenly provided you another weapon that you've been missing. And uh, maybe guys like Comfer and guys like Jost and Belmar and even Calvert, if hopefully he gets healthy again, look at that and say, we need to start to pull our weight. But between the Nichushkin thing, between the fact that the Avalanche are starting to get healthy, Nathan McKinnon is progressing per Jared Bednar, and he will be skating soon. Bowen Byram as well. Kel McCarr, not as much. Calvert's starting to progress a little bit. I. Uh, as you start to get healthy, having Nachushkin coming back, JT Comfer obviously missed last game too with an upper body injury. Hopefully he comes back. And I think JT Comfer's is also concussion related just from what Bedner said. He kind of said the same thing he said about McKinnon with the, he came to the rink and he wasn't feeling well. And that's what he said about McKinnon. And the feeling well thing was related to concussion issues, kind of not feeling well. So with these guys coming back, hopefully the health starts to pick up. The depth scoring starts to pick up on top of that. You're getting fans hopefully soon. I don't want to get everybody's hopes up again, but I'm 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 positive that you're going to get fans here in the in the in the coming weeks, and hopefully bring in another goalie, and suddenly you have everything you need, because Joe Sakic once again has knocked it out of the park with building this roster. Donskoy still looks good. Burkowski's kind of struggling, but Brandon Saad has looked good. Devon Taves has looked good. Where he dropped the ball was the goalie department. But maybe that's something that he's going to correct now, and, and then that'll give the Avalanche all they need to, to, to get going. Yeah, it's to the point, and I hate to be cliche about it, but it's to the point where the Avalanche just need to take it one game at a time and simplify yep. everything, right? I mean, we've seen Mikko Rantanen find a sudden spurt of goals, and I think it's because he simplified his game. He's just slapping he pucks at the net. He doesn't really care where he is, and they're going in for him. So maybe you know once Nathan McKinnon gets back he can kind of get into that mindset and find some scoring streaks there and just the rest of the team can get back to the basics and get back to just playing simple because um you know right now it feels like they're a bit in their head but that could be a good thing cuz hopefully it sparks some energy and some some anger out of the captain and maybe you know get some fire in the team yeah i mean Miko Renton has got 12 goals and 12 assists in in uh in 22 games that's a pretty damn good stat line uh but I, I agree. I mean, I, despite everything we just said, I still feel confident about this homestand and about where the Avalanche are going to go from here. 
they just need some health. They need some good luck on the health side, and then they need things that they can control, which is playing better, playing more consistent, and you know Joe Sackick bringing in another goaltender because you just cannot rely. You can't rely. Look, you can rely and you can bet on and hope that someone like JT Comfort is going to pick up his game. Or someone like Val Nichushkin, like you know, you were you were harping on him a few weeks ago, is gonna pick up his game. I don't think you can bet on Hunter Miska becoming an NHL goalie. Not now. That's just not a reasonable bet. So in terms of the goalie thing, if Francis isn't coming back soon, you need to bring somebody in. Uh and, and that's for Joe Sackick. That's something he can control. Absolutely. I couldn't say it better myself. It sounds like we're at an agreement and kind of a standstill with this podcast. We've talked about everything we want to talk about. So I guess it's time to uh, wrap up the show like we always do. Are you ready for that or anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? That's it for me. Just uh, I hope I don't have any more Twitter oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're uh, optimistic about this upcoming week, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of hope and they're no, nowhere near a bad spot. You know, that you just want to you don't want to give Arizona any hope and suddenly have them climb the standings and think they have a shot so you know take care of business put the nail in the coffin early get a get a lead early and don't let hunter miska play yeah and and i th- yeah that's that's the biggest one and i think you know with all the positivity that we just sort of took a turn on you still cannot a team that lost eight straight games and just doesn't look good you cannot go to overtime both nights i will admit that even if the avalanche won that overtime game yesterday let's say Renton doesn't take a penalty on that first shift rather him and Nichushkin pair up for a goal I would still be coming into this podcast talking about how the Avalanche had to erase two 0-2 leads and take the Anaheim Ducks to overtime two nights in a row. You just don't need – it's unnecessary for that to need to be what you need to do. But then again, it's the NHL. There's a lot of parity. Yeah, so what? The Ducks had six wins heading into that series. It's still an NHL team. But that's one of the teams that you should beat twice and and handedly. Yep, absolutely. Handily, I should say. Jeez. (laughs) That brings us to our Mile High Sports Three Stars of the Week, and we are foregoing the Three Stars of the Week because we're giving just one big, fat, giant star to the news that rocked the hockey world this week, and that's Walter Gretzky's death. Um, Of course, Walter Gretzky is Wayne Gretzky's father, so big shout-out to him, and, uh, you know, tough for the Gretzky family, and, and, you know, it's really hard on them right now, so thoughts to them. Thoughts to them, absolutely. Uh, Walter Gretzky is Canada's hockey dad. He, everybody's got a story with him. He coached his son. He, I was listening to Jeff Merrick talk about how Walter Gretzky, when when the Russians and the Soviet Union started coming over and uh, playing their style of hockey, which was a very finesse style back in the day, if you remember what, what the Europeans were bringing, Wayne was looking at them and the way they were practicing and the things they were doing. Like One of the biggest things was, don't skate to where the puck is, skate to where it's going to be. And that's something that the Russians were doing. And Wayne was looking at this team practicing, thinking, I've already done this because my father trained me to do this. So Walter was a hell of a hockey mind, uh, just a genuine nice guy. He used to let people, you know, again, I'm going off of Jeff Merrick. He used to let people into his house to go down to the basement and, and talk about this is where Wayne Gretzky used to practice. This is where he used to shoot pucks at the wall. This is where, you know, here's his trophy case. Here's all the, He was just a fun, genuine guy. He didn't hide behind the bushes. He was an open, welcoming person. And if you go on Twitter and you look up names like P.K. Subban and other big names in the NHL, they've all got a picture with him when they were younger, when they were 13, 14 years old, because that's the kind of person Walter Gretzky was. Uh, with that being said, I do want to throw in a second star uh 
I don't want to take away from Walter Gretzky. So he is the first, second, and third star. But right behind him, I have to give a shout out to former Avs, Ryan O'Reilly's mother, Bonnie O'Reilly. Bonnie O'Reilly recently donated her kidney to the manager of the rink where Ryan and Cal used to skate. Liver this is kidney? a manager. This is a, a close person <laughs> in their community, not even a close friend, just somebody in their community that used to unlock the doors after hours to let Ryan and Cal skate, Cal being Ryan's older brother. Um, and Bonnie O'Reilly, we've, we've read a lot of great stories about her in the past. You know how uh, the O'Reilly parents used to foster a ton of kids at a time, even to the, to the point where... They had so many foster kids that were named Ryan that they never even called their own son Ryan. They called him Snook, and that's where his nickname came from because they didn't want to feel let these foster kids not have their actual names. So that's the kind of person that Bonnie O'Reilly is. I have a ton of personal stories with her. She's an excellent human being. She's an amazing person, and she donated her kidney to uh, somebody in the community, not even a close family member or a close friend, and that's a really, really big thing to do. So I'm not going to take away from Walter Gretzky, but I think Bonnie O'Reilly definitely deserves a shout-out. Yeah, I mean, just shows you the importance of, of uh, support from hockey parents, right? You really need that, and it, it's important yep. in life, and you're seeing some uh, some good hockey parents in the news right now. It's just it's a great it's a great community. Yeah. It's it's the hockey community could could be could be disgusting at times and there could be things where we can sit here and harp on all the bad things going on. But in the grand scheme of things it's a very genuine good community and and having parents like Walter and parents like Bonnie and her husband Brian, Ryan's dad, uh you know, leading the way for their kids, it it starts to show you why somebody like Wayne and somebody like Ryan O'Reilly are who they are because of who they were raised by. Yeah, and you can easily draw the parallel too with half the Avalanche squad having babies right now. Apparently, they were getting busy yeah. nine months ago. But you know, the just <laughs> the importance of uh, parenting and and just being there to support your kids, right? So let's just end the podcast on that. On you know. Go thank your parents for all the support and maybe give them a little support back for everything they've done for you in the past. And if you have kids, give them a little extra support and just be that great hockey parent or just great parent in general that Walter Gretzky kind of was the role model for and Ryan O'Reilly's mom is a role model for. Just be that leader. Be somebody to look up to and, you know, appreciate the parents you have. And cut me some slack when I make another Twitter oopsies in the future. Hey, I make oopsies all the time, especially on this podcast. Don't sweat it. But, uh, yeah. That being said, you know, thanks for hanging out with us in this podcast. We'll probably be back in uh, midweek, hit you with a quick hit podcast to cover the Arizona series for you. Um, but other than that, I hope everybody has a great start to their week. Thanks for listening. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Hockey's for everyone. And we out you. Yeah.